It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 806, 71 degrees outside. What a great Saturday morning it's going to be from now until about noon. After that, all bets are off. We're not saying this afternoon is going to be anything but hot. 90 degrees more than this afternoon and pretty sweaty too. Michelle is out in Decatur and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Michelle, good morning. Hi, Walter. How you doing? I'm fine. What you got? Well, I my grapes. I have a grapevine out back. Mm-hmm. And they did produce something, but they start turning brown at the end before they've really made. Got it. And um, I don't know. The vines, they're growing everywhere. I don't know if it's time for me to cut them because I don't have any more grapes <laughs> on the vines anymore. Are they grapes that you've planted, Michelle, or some that just grew up in the woods? Beside no, the I, I set them out. Okay. Do you remember what kind or any names or anything? Well, I don't know the kind, but I know there's the green grapes and the red grapes that you yeah. buy in the grocery store. Okay. Let's just assume, for argument's sake, that these are bunch grapes. It's not going to make much difference if it's bunch grapes or muscan grapes or anything like that. I think bottom line, Michelle, to prevent diseases on grapes is pretty hard, but the best thing you can do is to make the grape itself strong enough to fight its own fights against disease rather than spending all your money trying to spray for something. So did you put them on a wire or an arbor or some trellis kind of thing? Yes, I put uh, like a fence wire around them. Yeah. So they, the vines can grow on the fence, right? And so how long, how big is the vine right now? Oh, gosh, it's about maybe four or five. I mean, it may be about six feet, something that... going to be I more guess. than that if it's a, any kind of it healthy grapevine. Yeah, that uh, above six feet, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's, it's, it's not, I didn't, they're growing like clutters together. I didn't yeah. make them so big because I didn't want them to go that... I think the bottom line is just to say we need to water when it's hot like right now. We need to feed them at least twice a year. Muscadines are pretty pretty heavy feeders. A lot of They need a lot of leaf surface so they can make the sugars to make the grapes uh, ripe and taste good. So I think all I'm going to tell you to do, Michelle, is to make sure that you have an adequate arbor. Don't crowd them up and make them double back on themselves on a little bitty arbor. Make sure they get spread as far as they want to. Prune them correctly in January, and you can go on my website to look for muscadine or bunch grape pruning instructions with pictures and everything. And uh, if you keep the grape healthy, that I think is going to be your goal. Water, fertilizer, let it fight its own fights. Uh, in a particular fertilizer, like 10 10 10 or something? Yeah, or I guess you could use that. 10 10 10 wouldn't be bad. And the key, I think, is spread it over a good wide area. It is really impressive how wide a grapevine root system will go. And there'll be roots easily five feet away from the main vine. And so just scatter the 10 10 10 very lightly. Uh, for a vine your size, probably a cup would be okay twice a year probably be okay maybe more but i'd need a soil test to make that that determination but at least a cup a 10 10 10 scattered you know several feet away from the main trunk and let those little feeder roots absorb it and and make more leaves okay one last question here is it good that for me when they go dormant that I can cut them all the way down so they can grow back up? Yeah, that, that's why I want you to go into my website and sort of see how to okay. prune the grapes because it leaves a lot of pictures. You could conceivably cut it all the way to the ground, but most people cut them back to two buds, three buds, something like that. But again, you need some pictures, so go look okay. for it. All right. Thank you so much. You bet, Michelle. Thanks for calling. 
Bye-bye. we got Billy at Holly Springs, and he's with us on Lawn and Garden. Billy, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter, how you doing? I'm all right. What's up? Um, I've got, my brother has an old climbing rose at his house. Um, it's his mother's house, or his grandmother's house he just inherited. Yeah. And uh, he said it was planted easily 60 years ago. Wow. And great. it's huge. It's beautiful. It's always been great. It's put in the same spot. It's lots of sun. Well, here recently, it's, he says it's just starting to fade. And I took a look at it, and it's just the leaves are just yellowing on it. It's hmm. got some Japanese beetle damage on it, like every other rose yeah. in Georgia. Right right, exactly. <laughs> so are you talking it, about the le- the entire leaf turns butter yellow? There's no spots or anything? It's just a yellow leaf? I can't really tell a pattern. It just looks like the whole thing is kind of swaining a little bit, kind of hmm. fading. I like the word swaining. Whatever word that is, I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> <Swaining>. <laughs> well, I'm torn between diagnosing this as, as a lower stem or root problem or whether it's possible it's a disease like black spot. There's a real, real common rose disease called okay. black spot. And it characteristic is the leaves turn yellow, but there are numerous black sort of halo-shaped um, spots on the leaves. That's what black spot looks like. But if the whole vine is turning yellow and there are not many spots on the leaves, then it's something to go to do with uh, lower stem, root system, something's going on down there to interrupt yeah. the flow of moisture up to the leaves. Well, I will, I will tell you this. Um, when he first noticed it, he, he you know, made sure the ground was good and clear. There wasn't like a leak in the ground causing yeah. it to get overwatered, yeah. that kind of thing, because it's near a water hose. System. Well, so he's thinking he watered about that. it pretty good because he figured, well, it's, it's in direct sun, so it gets a lot of sun. Well, yeah. he came back the next day, it almost seemed worse. Ooh. So. Oh, man. Billy, I don't have a great pro- uh, diagnosis of what's going on. Um, it wouldn't be bad to send me some pictures if you want me just to look at it with pictures. Get uh, okay. get your buddy to send me pictures. My website down at the lower right-hand corner, it says Contact Walter, and that'll give you a way to email me stuff. So let me look at it. We'll see if I see anything different from what you described. All righty. One last question. In, in the meantime, just in case, is do you think there would be any chance that we could root something off of this plant? Roses are a lot easier than many other woody plants uh it's possible go to my website and look up the propagation method that uses two liter or usually uses a liter bottle cut in half so two pieces of a liter bottle or two liter bottle so go to my website and type the word liter l-i-t-e-r into the uh, search engine and that'll give you probably the pictures of this little propagation chamber i made using the two liter bottle and you might be able to root the rose that way billy thanks for calling man i gotta go whose turn is it next it's paul's turn paul's in conyers again from rockdale county hey paul good morning good morning walter how are you i'm all right what's going on I got an issue with some black tips that I've had for probably 25 years. Black tips or red tips? Red, red tips. There sorry. we go. Red and black. And, I know you're close to Athens, so we got to go with the red tips and the black tips. Yeah, yeah, red tips. <laughs> All right, what's um, up? Well, from time to time, I guess in the last 25 years, they've had issues with black spot, but okay. it seems to always go away. They fight through it. This year, they seem to be succumbing to it. Oh. Hmm. Are, are you pruning them much, Paul? No. That's that's like, the right I like answer. Them, I like them fuzzy. Good. That's the right answer. Pruned red tips are the ones that get the leaf spot disease. It just wiped them out of the southeast. And I'm sure you you know the story that a nursery over in Alabama found a particular red tip, or actually a selection from a Chinese photinia, and 
they thought, man, this thing turns red when it's uh, real young. This is a beautiful leafed plant. And so they propagated 900 million of them and sold it to everybody in Georgia and Alabama. And we all loved our red tips until all of a sudden we started seeing this red, this black spot on the leaves that is only affecting the new leaves on red tips, which is what makes them pretty in the first place. And so most of the red right. tips in Georgia have died from that spot disease. But why it would be dying from the top? So are you, did you say you saw the spots on it, Paul? Yeah, I've seen them from time to time over the years, but it always seems it's, to fight yeah. through it. And if you're not pruning, yeah. then you're not doing anything to make the problem worse. So that's good, good news. Right, right. E, this may be another one where I would rather have a picture, rather have something to look at to diagnose because it didn't, I don't hear any smoking guns, if I can gotcha. mix my metaphors there a little bit. But <laughs> I, think, okay. I think I need a picture to look at it, see if I see anything. I can, I can send you a picture. That'll be good. I'll look for okay. it. Super. Thank you, sir. You bet, Paul. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. We've got Vince and Roswell who joins us. Vince, hey, good morning. Hello. Hey. Um, I have a stand of azaleas. Uh, I've been there 25, 30 years, maybe more. Yeah. Kind of a semi-oval shape, 10, 12 yards long, 5 yards, 8 yards deep. Mm-hmm. They haven't bloomed in three years. They look extremely healthy. The leaves are green. Right. Uh, around blooming time, we'll see buds shoot out. And if I, if I open it up, the pod seems to be empty. Huh. Uh, and I have been to Pike's Nursery. No one seems to know. No one seems to have any answer, but they just haven't bloomed in three years. So pruning, have you pruned them, if at all? Uh, we've pruned them uh, with, uh, actually, I, uh, I had the gardener do it this year, yeah. but in the past two years I've done it. Right after they bloom, within a week or two, okay. maybe maybe three weeks. And not not I, in the winter, though. You don't do it in the wintertime. No, no, no. Uh, uh, in spring, you know, I have another set of azaleas. They're mostly white in a different area of the yard. They they're just blooming like crazy, and, wow. and I don't and I don't do a thing for them. So the ones that are not blooming, how, are you feeding them once in a while? Give it some fertilizer to? No, no, uh, no. I uh, no, we haven't done that. At least, at least. I haven't. So, so and, but the leaves on it are pretty thick and green and oh, luscious, yeah, look yeah, healthy yeah. and all it, that. It just looks, it just looks extremely healthy. Huh. Well, this is not a case, I don't think, of um, winter damage. It possibly could be, but the chances of that are not real big, 5 or 10%, that it could be one of the more susceptible to cold damage indica azaleas, but yeah, I don't think so, because the indicas have bloomed pretty well for most everybody this year. Vince, I don't have a great answer for you, but I would fertilize. I would give you some fertilizer <clears throat> advice simply because this is the time that azaleas are making the buds for the bloom next year. And I want them to have some energy and some more leaves if necessary and just the sort of strength and vigor to make the buds thickly so they'll bloom like crazy next spring. So get one of the <clears throat> slow-release slow-release fertilizers, <clears throat> excuse me one more time, uh, slow-release fertilizers like Milorganite, Espoma, uh, the EB Stone stuff that, that Pike sells is really, really good. But one of those, apply it according to label directions, and let's see if we can perk them up a little bit. I hope so. I hope so too, Vince. All Otherwise, right. all, <clears throat> all you have is the leaves on the shrubs, and that's uh, and pretty, that's but exactly you need some flowers. want some so. flowers too. Vince, thanks so much for calling. All right. Thank you. It's 817 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. One, two, 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Same day, pretty much the same forecast. Yesterday, hot. Today, hot. Tomorrow, hot. We're in the low 90s this afternoon. Really sweaty weather tonight, overnight, in the low 70s, maybe the high 60s. It's going to be hot. Just take it from there. It is going to be hot. Eventually, fall will come, and it'll be cooler, but right now it's going to be hot. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Andy is at McDonald wanting to move a hydrangea. I'm trying to persuade her that ain't the right time to do right now. Andy, good morning. Good morning, Walter. We met um, at the at your lecture at the Henry County Mass oh, yeah, Garden. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Well, it's not a time I would have chosen either, but we're putting on a small edition, huh. and this is in the way. Andy, so I had the that? exact thing, same thing happen in 2000 and four, three, somewhere back in, it's been several years, a decade or more, the same situation. I had a big addition going on in the back of the house, probably 10 azaleas, maybe five or six big hydrangeas, and the contractor called me, I think it was July the 1st, and said, I want to be working July the 5th, what are you going to do for your weekend? And so what I did was I got out, I have a little tiller, I did have a little tiller back then, and I added more organic matter to that spot where I wanted to move them to the front of the house, and I tilled it in, and I tilled it in, and I was sweaty and dirty and miserable. And then we dug them up on July the 4th and transplanted them to the front so he could get started the next day. I lost one or two maybe just because okay. I was good at preparing the soil. And that, my friend Andy, is your job today if you're going to move the hydrangea. Prepare the soil really, really well beforehand in the new spot. Get as many roots as you possibly can on the hydrangea. If you think it's a little bit heavy on the top, you can cut off some branches. You may not get enough blooms next year to make you happy, but still, I'd prune a little bit. Get a good root system and keep your fingers crossed. Do I cut off the branches that have flowers on them or...? Yeah, I think you probably should. In fact, I would maybe reduce it in size by at least a quarter, or maybe a third. You want to take some leaves off, because all those leaves, as you know, the big broad leaves are droopy now when they got their big root system on them without being disturbed by Andy. And if you disturb them by doing the whole transplanting process, those leaves are going to droop even more. So taking a few they leaves off. won't be off. happy. Yeah, not going to be happy. Take, okay. Take some of the top off of it. But I think you can do it successfully. I was pretty good about watering after we transplanted those, and I think that and the quality of the soil just made all the difference. Okay, I'll get to work on it. It's not often that I tell people that they can move a hydrangea in the summer, but I know personal experience it can be done successfully. It's just a lot of work. All right. All right. Thank you, Walter. Good luck, Andy. Thanks for calling. We got, let's go in here to Georgia. It's in Stone Mountain. Got a weed, weed, weed that Georgia doesn't like. Hey, hey, Georgia, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you? Well, I have a very large natural area in, the, in my backyard, yeah. and it's fully shaded and a lot of leaves, etc. And last year, this weed started appearing. Mm-hmm. It's about 15 uh, inches tall very easy to pull up Ah. and it has leaves a little bit like bamboo and this year 
it is taking over my backyard. Georgia, I literally you, you can, fill up at least two garbage cans. You can stop. You can stop right there, Georgia, because I know exactly what it is. And as soon as you said, "Oh, it's easy to pull up," I thought, "Bang!" I know exactly what Georgia has in her landscape, and you're exactly right. One year you have a little bit of it. Next year, the entire landscape is covered with it. And the name of it is microstegium, or some people call it uh, Korean basket grass, or just plain old basket grass. And the description is jam on when you said you could just pull lots and lots and lots of it out of the ground and put it in garbage bags. You just fill them up. That's, that's how it grows. But I have good news, and that is this. You can put a pre-emergent. You remember when we talked about on lawns? Okay, that putting was that my out? question. Yeah, get some halts or the pike pre-emergent and put it out in... Do, 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 do. Let's do that around the 1st to the 15th of March next year, Georgia, and just spread the fertilizer or the pre-emergent, like the label says, the right rate on the area around your landscape. Be sure to water it in right after you put it down, either irrigation or do it before rain. Rain waters it in, too. But the pre-emergents that are sold for crabgrass prevention in a lawn also, thank goodness, do a great job preventing microstegium or basket grass or whatever you want to call it. And uh, that's the way you'll eventually get control pretty easily, frankly, just spreading some stuff out and keeping them germinating for a couple, three years in a row. There won't be any more seeds there, and you won't have much problem with it after that. Oh, thank you very much. Microstegium, Korean basket grass. If you want to see some pictures, you look on my website, WalterReeves.com, and you see the pictures of it, you'll say, yeah, that's that bad stuff in the shade of my landscape. Hard, hard, hard to control. But it's easy if you use a pre-emergent. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be right back with Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 836 and 73 degrees outside. We're warming up quickly today into the 90s. Weekend forecasts will come up regularly during the next half hour. Mickey Gasaway, my friend from Pike Nurseries, with us this morning. Hey, Mickey. Good morning. How are you? Inordinately cheerful. Why I'm cheerful, oh, I do not know. But all morning long, I have been Mr. Cheerful Chuck. Here I am. <laughs> Well, okay. Steve calls me terminally cheerful. Term, well, you're pretty cheerful, too, cheerful Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever it is. Well, our job <laughs> is to announce the weekend Pikes pick that Mickey That's and Walter, right. mostly and Mickey. And this week, it is ground covers. So all the ground covers. All the ground covers. Do I dare confess to our listening audience, Mickey, that there are cases where English ivy is probably the best choice as a ground cover? Oh. Well, as long as you can contain it. I think English ivy on a steep bank and under places uh, where the shade is just inordinately well, dark, right. English ivy will work. And it that's can be right. done as long as, you said it correctly. As long as you're in control of yeah, it. Yeah, don't let it get out of control because that's, that's when right. it starts going up the trees. I use it in containers. I like it in containers. <laughs> but there are a lot of other things you can, can use. Like I love, um, mon I mean, uh, you got monkey Mondo, grass, uh, mondo grass. Not monkey grass, not yeah. monkey grass. Uh, vinca. Yeah. Vinca major, or vinca, I mean vinca minor. 
not wild about Vinca Major, but I love Vinca Minor. Vinca Minor is a blue vine for listeners who want to know what Vinca Minor is. I think some people call it blue periwinkle occasionally, yeah, but it's yeah. a, a vine that has little yeah, bit and of blue it does flowers good on it. And it does, yeah, it does peg down and holds the, the soil, maybe not quite as much as English ivy does, but it covers and it doesn't climb. So I, I like that. I want to ask your opinion, Mickey, about a okay. particular ground cover, Asiatic jasmine. Does Asiatic jasmine grow well, or how do you feel about that? I have never grown it myself, but I saw it the other day in a um, in a parking lot beside a parking lot. It was it gets a, it gets a little taller than some of the other about ten to twelve inches tall. Sure, but it does good in the sun. And it, this was a beautiful. It was kind of a um, a gray green color. It was so pretty. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've never seen it bloom. They say it blooms. I've never seen it bloom. No, but it makes it. a good evergreen ground cover, I think. And another plant that most people would not think of as being a ground cover <clears throat> is the winter jasmine, the jasminum nudiflorum. Yeah, where, yeah. It has little yeah, yellow flowers on it, and I've seen that on a bank before, and it looked great on the bank. I had that in a bank in my other house, and where it kind of weeps over, yeah. it pegs down, and then it does, uh, yeah, I love that. And in January, my mama used to call it ja uh, January jasmine, <laughs> that's when it blooms. Sure. But I love that. And, I, you know, another one that I have used a lot recently is Creeping Jenny. Creeping Jenny works great, and, full and sun instead sometimes. Of using, instead of using so much uh, mulch, I use put Creeping Jenny around the bottom of things, and then I don't have to mulch it. What about creeping, creeping Raspberry? Have you ever seen raspberries on it? Yes, I have. They have. I had never seen that until this droplets. year. And we ate the, we, were, we all had to pick them up, and we told everybody in case we died, they'd know what it was. <laughs> but we tried them, and they taste like raspberries. Sure they do. And I, yeah, I was really surprised. I had never seen the raspberries on it until this year. I think they get a little bit of winter damage when it's cold in the winter, but the creeping raspberry and other ground cover, there's not that common. And it's a, a lot pretty of color. Use it. It's a pretty color. Yeah. You know, it turns kind of a reddish color in yeah. the winter. It's pretty. So yeah, all the ground covers thing. that Pike has, and maybe some that Pike doesn't have, but we'll call them ground covers anyway, <laughs> all these ground covers on sale, 20% off every Pike in Atlanta, and you just tell the cashier this is Mickey's Pike pick for the weekend, and they'll give you 20% off. That's exactly right. All right. So what else do we got? Do we got any classes coming up? We've got a, a houseplant class today. And tell me more. At, it comes at in 9 o'clock. 20 at minutes. Got to get out. Out nine, uh, Houseplant. Last today at 9 o'clock. Okay. Is that Are fast you, enough? That's close enough. That's real good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mickey, all the ground covers, one more time, all ground covers at Pike Nursery on sale for 20% off. Tell the cashier so she'll know how to code it. And, Mickey, where would we look to find all the locations of Pike Nursery? At PikeNursery.com. Of course. Mickey, it's great talking to you. See you next Saturday. Thank you. See you Bye. then. 404-872-0750 gets you in. Mickey took a line, so we'll take her away, and now we got another line open. Let's go to Debbie. Debbie's out in Roswell first. Hey, Debbie, good morning. Hi, good morning, Walter. How can I help? How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Well, I was listening earlier when you were telling that poor woman with the crepe myrtles oh, about yeah. ambrosia beetle. We just had a run-in with those and uh, had an arborist tell us, get them out of there before they infect all your neighbor's trees yeah, so yeah. he said they'd go for any flowering hardwood so yeah but some are out. some are more tolerant or some maybe are less um likely i guess to be affected right. than others the thin skin things like crepe myrtle just seem to be the ones that they really do favor and and they did they they took out all three we had three they were probably about 20 feet tall 25 years old yeah 
right in front of our house. Really, they were in a bad spot, so maybe they did us a favor. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your question this morning? Well, where two of them were, we'd like to replace them with something, Hmm. Um, something flowering. And unless you can think of something else that doesn't get as big and doesn't need trimming, um, we were thinking of trying to go with a smaller variety of crepe myrtle. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe one of the ones that has like the really bright pink flowers or something. Yeah, sure, brighter. sure, sure. So rather than keep a list in my heads of all the different colors and sizes and names and things like that, do you just want a suggestion for what kind of crepe myrtle or what species, what variety name to plant? Uh, yes. That would be great. Then I'm going to have to tell you to go to my website because I know I have that full list there, but I didn't take the minute to to look it up right here at the studio. So that's what I would do. Just go to my website and type in crepe myrtle, and there's a whole big comparative chart of the red ones and the pink ones and the white ones and the ones that have a little white edging around the around the flower, and uh, that's what you do. That's what you can do. But, you know, oh, Debbie, yeah. I was thinking, too, if you want to choose something other than crepe myrtles, I've saw this past, was it Monday, Tuesday, I guess, that I was driving around, and I saw a red bud that is one of the newer, um, how can you call this, they're pink when, they, when the leaves come on them. And, man, it was pretty, even in the summertime. This is, again, just this past Real? week. But oh, it's that pink fading to sort of a yellowish, a bright golden yellow with some green in it, too. And I thought, boy, that is a great-looking red bud. Woo! And it so, doesn't get very big? Doesn't get very big. This was about 10, I guess, 10 feet tall. So there's that. The common forest pansy redbud has the purple leaves on it. That's very easy to find. Um, mm-hmm. So redbud is one perhaps uh, suggestion for replacing the crepe myrtles. Serviceberry okay. has flowers in the spring. I use serviceberry in my front yard, so you could use that. How do you spell that? Serviceberry. Oh, service. Serviceberry. Sar- <laughs> the old folks call it <laughs> serviceberry. Yeah. Try that. But again, if you go to my website and just type in crepe myrtle, there'll be five or ten pages of crepe myrtle information. And one of them says um, selecting and choosing for color and size and all that. That's that's what you want to look at. Okay, wonderful. And then the, and the red bud that you mentioned, does it have a name or you? Just- I want to say it's sunrise or sunset. It has something sun in the name. I couldn't. I don't remember okay. the name for it. Again, go to Pike. Go to Pike and ask and say, you know, where I need a, a red bud that has sort of a greenish yellow coloration to it. I think they'll know. Okay, and they'll know. All right. I believe they will. Thank thanks, you. thanks for calling, Debbie. Four zero four eight. Well, you know the number. I'm not going to repeat the number because we got Marcus and he wants his question answered right now. Hey, Marcus. Good morning. Whoops, put the wrong one on there. Let's go then to Earl. Earl's in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Walter. How hey, you doing? Good morning. What can I do for you? All right. So we have this trellis on our deck right and uh, a couple of years ago we planted a evergreen clematis and uh, it quickly took over and covered the whole top of it and provided shade and all that and uh, then uh, this uh, early in the spring uh, it bloomed uh, it bloomed beautifully and then it proceeded just to die back about 60 to 70 percent of it sure. and uh, so we've got I'm debating whether just to yank it out, if it can't take the direct heat, or uh, and I, I notice the the, sh- the uh, shoots that uh, the, the new growth. Yeah. Uh, are some of them are being cooked by the sun, so it's in full sun. Hmm. And uh, so, what do you think? 
I know of at least one, and it goes right across the street from my house that is in full baking sunshine and looks great. In fact, matter of fact, the my friends who live across the street are constantly having discussions and marital discussions about whose turn it is to cut back the evergreen clematis because it gets all over the mailbox and all over the shrubbery and everything else. And I know that it's there because I planted it there and I know how well we prepared the soil because we did a little TV piece on it 10 years ago, I guess now. And I remember digging up the hole and digging up the area around it and planting the evergreen clematis and it has done fabulously well there in full sun, full sun. Well, uh, so they take full sun, but and but mine just you know I googled it one time. You know why why did my evergreen clematis die? Sure. And uh, you know sometimes people say it just inexplicably just that, dies that's back. true too. For whatever reason, they get some kind of clematis wilt that comes in, and you know, like you say, fifty to seventy percent of the vine gone, brown, dead, and then it resprouts. I have some on a chain link fence behind the house, and it's resprouted probably four times in the last 20 years of when most of it dies and then it resprouts and covers everything up again. So the bottom line, Earl, I don't have much time here, but bottom line, if you prepare the soil, you can put an evergreen clematis in full sun. It probably would be happier and better able to withstand drought and stress in the summer if you had a little bit of shade in the afternoon on it. But it's a great plant, great flowers in the spring and evergreen, so it can fulfill a lot of of landscape problems. All right. Well, thank you. Earl, it's great talking to you. Right. Thanks for calling. You. All right, bye-bye. We got Marcus on the line. Marcus, I'm so sorry I cut you off a minute ago, but here you are. Hey, Marcus. That's, that's okay. I'm glad I was able to get back in quickly. Yeah, me too. How can I help? Um, what I was talking about is I got a gardenia that's probably around about seven feet tall with the steps of what have you, and I was wanting to cut it down because I was told that the limbs are kind of weak and everything, and if I cut it, it will, you know, strengthen up those limbs. And I was yeah. wondering, when's a good time to try to do something like that? Not now. <laughs> Two-word answer, not now. Okay. I think that you're just going to stress the plant. It's going to – once you've pruned it in the summertime – Inevitably, it's going to try to put new sprouts around the place where you made the cut. And those new sprouts, everyone is going to be looking for lots of water from the roots. And, of course, it's hot, it's dry, no rain. And so it's going to stress it even further. So the best time, honestly, is going to be February of next year. Okay, that is fine with me. That's all I need to know. I I'll <laughs> put that job plan. off. February next year. Put it down, Marcus. All right. Thank you very much, Walter. Hey, man. Thanks for calling. It's 848. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And the quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's sort of like Groundhog Day. You know, the same thing yesterday, today, tomorrow. It's all going to be hot. 91 degrees this afternoon and in the 70s maybe overnight. Not much chance of rain. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mix in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mick, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help, friend? I have a uh, Granny Smith apple tree that's well over 10 years old. We would get good crops out of it every two out of three years. Yeah. And so finally we had a professional arborist come out and prune it about two years ago, and he said it would take maybe one season and come back to normal. But ever since then we have maybe gotten ten apples out of the tree for like three years now, and this year it is just as pitiful. So I'm looking (laughs) for suggestions. And how do the leaves look, Mick? Are the leaves pretty green, full, lustrous, and looks like a healthy tree? 
No, every summer during the, the, the peak of the heat, the, the tree actually looks withery no matter how much you mm-hmm. water it. It's still like it goes into a shock. And then mm-hmm. when uh, by August, the, the tree just bounces right back and you can't tell anything's wrong. So that's kind of normal. Huh. I don't know if I can correlate the pruning with the you know problems that you have now. Because I just don't think that's likely that pruning has much to do with how it doesn't look good in the summer, then bounces back as you just described in the fall. How are you fertilizing? Give me an idea of how you're fertilizing water. Um, we just watering once a week, and then I we had been using ten, 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 but yeah. since we pruned it, we started using um, blood meal and bone meal with yeah. the the figure that you use with the, with the diameter of the trunk and that it. formula. Got it. Got it. You know what I might do, suggest, is next spring, normal fertilizer time is somewhere in March when the leaves are just budding out, when the flowers haven't yet appeared, but things are just starting to, to work on the apple. Go to 10, 10, 10. Go to something a little faster and a little heavier than, I think, the, uh, the organic things, the blood meal that you just mentioned. I think that you may be not fertilizing it quite enough. And 10-10-10, I think, is going to do it a little bit better. And you know how we've already talked about earlier about the trunk diameter and how you measure that, and then it's uh-huh. one pound of 10-10-10 uh, for every inch of trunk diameter. But I think one application of uh, fertilizer in the spring and maybe another one in August, September, and water them in real good so that the uh, fertilizer nutrients get into the soil, I think that might help a lot. So you want me to fertilize it this month also? Let's wait till next month. August is a little early. Let's wait till September and do it then. I think it'll help a lot. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Nate, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Remember, if you didn't get your question answered this morning, you can always go to my website, walterreeves.com. Type a couple words into the search line. You get all the information, hopefully, that you need. You can sign up for Facebook and get postings during the week. Sign up for Twitter and get postings during the week that I put there of things you ought to be doing in your garden. Ashley did such a good job today answering questions off the air. Scott Max has got some weird music online, and we do appreciate the weird music, too. We'll be back here. New next Saturday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. for another edition of Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, and we'll see you then.